on this week's episode are you ready for more lord of the rings mortal kombat makes its return and are you ready to meet a cocaine bear all this and more as we reach our next stop the pcc multiverse Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the P. C C Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break. Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, of course, the folks at Vampires and Vitae. Check out what they're doing today and each and every time out with their amazing adventure on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, also as well, Wizards and Wine with Wild Beyond a Witchlight. It's a fun time to be had, and you can do that as well on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, our great site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, and of course, everything that we do to update you on the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Go ahead, like us on Facebook because you will get the latest and greatest right there for you. Bing, 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 bing. All the latest news stories that's going on in the world of pop culture right there for you at the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And if you could support all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without the Mistress of Wonder. Every time I wonder what's going on at Vampires and Vitae and Wild Beyond the Witchlight on YouTube. I know Robbie, her husband, always wonders that as well. <laughs> He's supposed <laughs> to be driving the campaigns, but I see it go off the rails all the time because of uh, this young lady right here. Yeah, She is, again, part of the Vampires and Vampires of Vitae and Wizards and Wine Emporium on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. It is a fantastic person indeed. It is my good friend. It is Melinda Barkhouse-Ross. And Melinda, great to have you back. You rock in the purple rain. Got the prince yeah. on. Got to ask you a question, though. Sure. With, before we get all the nitty-gritty on the news and updates and all that stuff, uh, good friends, I wanted to go ahead and talk to Alternative Twist Radio, Mike and Phoebe. I'm getting them on the air pretty soon. They're not too distant future. And it's always a great conversation that I always have in regards to the nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And you, with your tremendous background, I'm inviting you. So if I give you the high sign with your thoughts on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees, did you want to go ahead and weigh in on that as well? Heck yeah. I'll join you for that. So I'm looking forward to that, where we decide who we like, who we think maybe is not deserving as of yet, and also who didn't even get picked and got snubbed, because there are several groups out there that I still think need recognition for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So that is always a great conversation to have each and every year, so that's coming up in the not-too-distant future. Plus, I've got Dawn Fobbs giving her a full half-hour plus of her thoughts on what's going on in the realm of TV, plus also as well my good friend TJ Johnson on the Monday show is also going to share his thoughts on an Apple TV Plus recent movie, Swan Song, and the bigger questions it raises. So that's coming up on the Monday show. But for today, my friend, much to discuss. Before we get all into it, I always leave your stuff on the back end as far as you promoing and all that, but let's go ahead and hear what you got up to right now at the Vampires and Vitae. And of course, Wizards of Wine, a.k.a. I'm driving Robbie, my husband, nuts. <laughs> right. Well, that is the goal of every session, let's be honest. I guess, yeah. <laughs> In Vampires and Vitae right now, we just held a very large uh, citywide press conference of sorts where 
one of our main characters in the campaign, one of our player characters, um, has come out of the caitiff closet. So a caitiff in Vampire the Masquerade, I need to explain so you understand what a big deal this is. Okay. Um, is somebody who was kind of embraced, turned into a vampire, but then was rejected for whatever reason by their sire. So they don't necessarily belong to a specific clan. They kind of drift. They don't necessarily have clan banes. There's a lot of really interesting stuff happening there. So it's definitely going to have a significant impact on our little coterie of, of uh, characters that we have uh, right now going for season two. So this coming Sunday, 1.30 Pacific Standard Time, right around then we get started, barring technical difficulties, which is our signature at this point. We're, we're really excited to get everybody back together and get back onto the main campaign and get back to some action and stuff soon. So it's going to be good. I just had the Las Vegas table this past Monday for uh, Wizards and Wine. They did decide to fight Vavlorda. Well, it wasn't going to go well. So Bavlorda took a quick exit and uh, they will have to face her again in the future. But this coming Monday, I've got the Halifax table back. Uh, they are in Tither and they are about to meet a unicorn. Please go ahead and check out all that she's doing today at Vampires and Vitae. And also, of course, Wizards and Wine on YouTube. I also want to give a big shout out to Roger, who also wreaks havoc at your Vampires and Vitae. I want to go ahead and mention that Roger is the commander-in-chief of the Demolition Force, and wouldn't you know it, space battles occurred on the most recent episode of Demolition Force, so go ahead and check it out today on the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. It is a really fun time. How in the world does Dungeons & Dragons go into space? You'll find out, and for some real space battles, it's really got the crowd, really got the Demolition Force going, so go ahead and check that out today on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. So we got to always go ahead and share that out there because tabletop RPG action is still going strong right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But my friend, there's so much more to talk about. And before we hit the break, I think the first thing that we need to talk about is cocaine. Yes. <laughs> because Cocaine Bear yeah. based your husband that you needed to notify him about, which is actually yeah. loosely based, as always Hollywood things are, off of a true story back in the day it is cocaine bear that is now in theaters directed by elizabeth banks who said leading up to it, it was funny because she had a variety interview which she said if this does not go well this could be the end of my career well i've got some good news for her and i've got some good news for the fans out there people are saying yes it is a bear slasher movie about a bear who adjusts cocaine and starts running wild and devouring and destroying everything in its path but it is a movie that I think is a, a lot of most, the thing I'm mo most gathering from it is like it's a what in the world type of movie that has you just like enjoying it. But it's some crazy, crazy stuff indeed. I, I can't curse and will not curse on this show. But my gosh, if anything would, a cocaine bear certainly would. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I think if we ran into a cocaine bear, swearing would be the, the least of our problems. Yes. yes. Yeah. While you're running, very, yeah. very, very quickly. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yes. It would not be family friendly. That's for sure. No, 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 it wouldn't. But your thoughts on Cocaine Bear, I mean, this is something that could be one of the biggest surprise hits of the year. It's starting out with a lot of momentum, a lot of news. It's starting also as well on a weekend after a Marvel movie, which Marvel movies tend to drop anywhere from 55 to 70%. And that's something that could be in their favor. They could sneak in either a very high number two or a number one spot domestically here at the box office, which would be a big win, a huge win for Elizabeth Banks, who her directorial career has been kind of up and down. But right now, she's riding high with Cocaine Bear. Yeah, I'm really not surprised for some reason to see this doing well. And we always talk about, you know, escapism from, you know, the, the world that we live in today. It's, it's been a tough few years. Mm -hmm. We are we all aware of that. And movies like Cocaine Bear are the ultimate escape movies. It's pure silly. It's asking nothing from the audience. It, you don't have to accept anything about the movie other than there's a bear. That's all that the movie is asking of you. And sometimes 
that's all you need out of your entertainment. I am all for the popcorn flick. I am all for, you know, the shouldn't have gotten one this big soda and the giant popcorn at the movie theater and this crazy romp of a movie in front of you. I think it's fantastic. Not surprised to hear it's doing well. I'm hoping it does very well this weekend. I, I, that's actually a movie like from the get-go when uh, I did a <laughs> tagline under the description when I first saw the, the original trailer. And it was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but my aspirations at that time off-air, I think it was, I don't know if it was you or Josh, I forget, but I was saying that, you know, this has all the earmarkings of a turkey movie. This has all the earmarkings of a movie that you clearly can't take seriously, and it's, you know, just something that hopefully they made cheap, because it's probably just going to be a forgettable movie at the box office. It's just a one-note thing as far as a cocaine bear is concerned. But then you started hearing more. And then you started hearing more from the actors. You uh, Obviously, everybody knows it's one of the final performances for the late Ray Liotta, who mm. passed away last year, but he had filmed this already. And uh, some of the actors and actresses involved, including from the hit show The Americans, Matthew <laughs> Reese and Carrie Russell, who are involved in this film. It's so funny because you know now they're doing the couples things where they're appearing in in you know movies now since they can't they can't they're not doing a TV show together so let's go ahead and do some movies together but the cast is you know you just started hearing some really good things some really good buzz and you know it's just more than what the studio is trying to do as far as the hype is concerned you really started to hear some good things and I'm really excited because the fact is that the reviews came out today earlier today for it and it's really made it worthwhile. I think that for a large portion of the audience that's going to go see this movie, I, I think that they were sold simply with the title. But now that there's more to this movie than what initially uh, met the eye, so to speak, uh, I, I think that that can only mean good things and uh, maybe a bit of a reward for the moviegoers. Well, that's true. I'm hoping because, like I said, uh, New York Post, the Boston Globe, IGN, Polygon have all given it really good scores. It's also gotten its detractors as well, but I, I'm, I'm just seeing a lot of good buzz. I'm seeing a lot on the main buzz, a lot of good buzz for it. So I think that at least it's going to be a, a pretty good success for one weekend. I think it's got a lot of hype attached to it. So I'm, th I'm seeing some good things for Cocaine Bear. If you are looking to take a sniff at <laughs> Cocaine Bear, Obviously, I don't want you doing cocaine out there. We don't want anyone doing cocaine because it's obviously a very illegally and very uh, destructive drug, so an addictive <laughs> drug. So please don't take it. At least also, don't try to. Also, don't try to sniff a bear. Yeah, that that's probably not I exactly the greatest. Or put that out there too. <laughs> don't sniff cocaine while you're sniffing a bear. Let right. The bear right. sniffs the cocaine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, no. And if you're anywhere near the cocaine, well, law enforcement is actually knocking on your door right now. So, yeah, yes, yeah. There you go. There you go. But <laughs> what are your thoughts out there on cocaine bear? See, that's really what I was waiting for this movie to get released so we could use all these cocaine bear jokes. So that's, that's so many one. puns. So yes, many. So many indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on cocaine bear? Are you ready to take a whiff of cocaine? Bear at the movie theaters, please let us know your thoughts. Popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And please don't send me, or actually, as Melinda would say, don't at me. I'm just joking. It's obviously a very serious drug. Yes, I know, but my gosh, it's cocaine bear. They're not taking it seriously. Why should we when we go check it out in theaters this weekend? Have some exactly. fun with it. Yes. Yes. Have the big extra drink, the big extra size popcorn. And go ahead and enjoy yourself this weekend with Cocaine Bear. Thanks for checking out the PCC. You know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. But my friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's program. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross from Vampires and Vitae and also Wizards and Wine on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, plus me, Gerald Glossford, right here at the PCC Multiverse. Major announcement today. And 
one we were expecting was obviously Warner Brothers talking about the major losses in the fourth quarter, which is still something they're eating a lot of costs as far as write downs and uh, tax breaks and layoffs and merging discovery and all that. There's just still more costs involved with that and canceling shows left and right. We've heard all that about what's gone on with HBO and Warner Brothers in the past few months, which totally surprised me from last year when we were doing this. Because last year, heading into 2022, I thought they were the bomb. I thought they were really on the way up. They had a lot of marquee shows that people were watching that were really well-received, thought everything was going well for them. And obviously that was not the case. This Discovery merger is costing them a lot of, a lot of money, just like similar to Showtime and Paramount with Paramount eating up Showtime, that's also going to cost them quite a bit. But the thing that came out of it that was most important to me, well, actually two things. But the most important, obviously, is the announcement, because Warner Brothers needs some cash, is that they got a hold of the Embracer Group, who own the rights, and we talked about this a few months back, about Embracer Group, which is more known as far as the video game industry, as far as they've been buying up a lot of video game companies and producing stuff out of out of their auspices, they bought the rights to Lord of the Rings for entertainment future going forward, outside of what Amazon's doing with Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, which can only base itself in the Peter Jackson realm of films. Today, the head of Warner Brothers you know, made an announcement today, and David Zaslav, announced that, you know, I guess uh, the new studio heads, Mike DeLuca and Pam Abdi, they made a deal, my friend. I don't know if it was a little for the one ring or, you know, you could put all the Lord of the Rings puns in on that as you want, but they made a deal with the Embracer Group as far as producing in the future more Lord of the Rings films with Peter Jackson's blessing, maybe involvement, we're not sure, your thoughts on, first, the announcement that more Lord of the Rings in the theaters is on its way. I couldn't be more pleased for those big I fans. Should've, I should have worn my Lord of the Rings shirt in honor of it. You, sh- just, you just should have. Oh, man. Just thinking about it now. Yeah. Actually, it was funny. I had one of those nights. You know those nights where you're so tired you can't sleep? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had one of those the other night. And Robbie was snoring so gently in my ear by that i mean he's inhaling his pillow right (laughs) (laughs) but so i put on a lord of the rings movie and i was like man these are just they're so good and they're so fun to watch and extended or regular uh i think it was a regular must have been regular it was on netflix got it oh yeah netflix yeah it is a regular they have yeah they, they just got in last month or earlier this month the regular versions of all three of the major movies yes yeah so we put one on and you know, I it was like it was like being told a wonderful story, and I just kind of drifted softly to sleep. Robbie, on the other hand, <laughs> wakes up, and all next thing he knows, he's watching Hobbits, and he was up for like the rest of the night. <laughs> so it helped me get to sleep, and then it woke him up and kept him up for most of the night. So well, that's how me. we feel about Lord of the Rings. Well, I, you they're... Just, well, you just saw me looking right here to the right. I'm looking yeah. at my Lord of the Rings box collection as far yeah. as the extended version on dvd that i still have amazingly kept it's funny because and i also have blue blu-ray versions of it too and i still want, prefer watching it on whenever hbo max i have that i still prefer watching it there because it's the easiest to do but the extended versions are are well the regular versions are just awesome but the extended versions are actually versions that enhance it even more. It just yeah. you got to be ready to sit down. And it's an adventure each and every time out. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good self care weekend. Was is what that is to sit down and watch the extended versions of Lord of the Rings. So, it's just so let me ask you this: self care. Yeah. Are you okay with it? Are you okay that you you've got new Lord of the Rings movies on the way? I can't imagine why that would be a bad thing. The only thing is because Lord of the Rings, uh, Rings of Power, you know, it came off to a hot start. It did not continuously generate the, the outstanding ratings on Amazon. So maybe people were either, you know, halfway through, said, I'm okay with this. I'm, I'm moving on to something else. Or, you know, they were saying that maybe, okay, I'll catch it later, whatnot. 
with the Lord of the Rings, though, I think there is so much left to go ahead and and delve into. We talked about this when the Embracer Group bought the Lord of the Rings, and I think that we were kind of kidding around as far as, oh, well, let's go ahead and do a Gandalf movie. Oh, let's go ahead and do an Aragorn movie, or let's go ahead and do, you know, this character's movie. I'm not sure I would love to see that per se, because that you can only go that so far. Maybe even a TV format, you can do it in a in a in a streaming format. But I would love to see new collective adventures, maybe even past what happened in the events of the Return of the King. What happened after? Was there a new threat that you could create that would after Sauron and Mount Doom that you know all that went away? Could there have been a new threat in place? Something of that nature, because Amazon's already exploring the before the Lord of the Rings trilogy movies. I would love to see adventures evolve beyond what we've already seen in the Lord of the Rings. Do you think a movie about what happened to each of the races when they got their rings would be interesting? Like, would you see want to see like a, a movie about the dwarves and what happened with them when they received their rings? Is that interesting at all? I think that would be great as far as integrated into the Amazon series. Sure. Okay. And that's probably what they will do. You will probably see how that, that takes place in the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, because right. AKA it's the name, first off. But B, it you know since they are confined to the Peter Jackson movies and what was mentioned in there, it is the first thing you see in that opening montage at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring is that montage with the, everybody getting their rings. And so you could delve much more into that in a series format, in a television format, in an Amazon, I guess, format. But as far as a movie based off it, you know, everybody that goes to a Lord of the Rings movie wants to see action. They want to go ahead and see consequences. They want to go ahead and see an all-powerful being, you know, that can go ahead and control Middle-earth. Can they recreate that magic? I think if they don't have those kind of consequences, people are not going to be going and spending to the tune of $3 billion, which is pretty much what those three movies make. In fact, if you include the movies afterwards with the Hobbit movies, you're you're talking about close to $6 billion for all six of those films. So you need an adventure that is really worth taking. Uh, you know... This is a wonderful opportunity for people who are playing the One Ring as a tabletop RPG to just go you ahead and make yourself a little screenplay and send that off to the studio and you could see your characters on the big screen. That would be a great idea. I mean, that's something that they do need because, again, it's just been announced as far as that yeah. there are more Lord of the Rings movies on the way. I think it's something that they do need to take seriously. But, Melinda, let me ask you, let's say you are in charge of Warner Brothers and you're working with the Embracer Group because the Embracer Group, they have the rights to all of it as far as yeah. what J.R.R. Tolkien created. And maybe they even have liberties beyond that. Of course, if they've got the blessing from the J.R.R. Tolkien, well, they've actually bought the rights to it. So, you know, maybe as long as they get a kind of blessing, which would be cool with the J.R.R. Tolkien's estate, they can evolve beyond that with new characters, new adventures, whatnot. But what would you do with new Lord of the Rings adventures for the cinema. You know what? The, my favorite part of uh, the Rings of Power was the dwarves. I want to see more dwarves. I want to see the, the society. I want to see how it's built. I want to see a little adventure put together. Uh, I would really love something that focused um, on them. Uh, I know that they're not the hobbits, and that's you know kind of what everybody is really excited about, the hobbits and the elves. But I just I want to see the dwarves stand up and, and shine a little bit, give them an opportunity, give them a movie uh, based on some kind of shenanigans and uh, just see how it does. You the know, because thing... the studio has enough money to just go ahead and try to make something happen. <laughs> well, the only thing I say is because uh, when the Lord of the Rings veers into mm -hmm. singular stories, we saw with the video game last year that came out, Gollum, mm -hmm. that did not, or it came out and just landed on a whimper i didn't hear too much about it got okay reviews not be really said yay it's the greatest thing in the world no it's not the worst thing in the world but it just came out and you know i think people were just you know a limited amount were really interested in partaking a role and adventure through the eyes of Gollum. 
I think when it comes to Lord of the Rings, they want the vast adventure with several characters involved with several different backgrounds and races. That's why I think Peter Jackson should be involved, whether he's directing or executive producing, is that the fact that he should be involved because he understands what to make. You can say what you want about the Hobbit movies that came after Lord of the Rings and how they are not as good as the, the Lord of the Rings. He took a Hobbit adventure and stretched it out to three different movies and found a way to do it. You can say what you want, but it still made a ton of cash at the box office. I think he understands what it takes to make at least a watchable Lord of the Rings adventure, if not a great Lord of the Rings adventure, because he's got the return of the king and all those uh, all those Oscars to prove it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not saying that, you know, a, a movie that kind of focuses on something dwarven needs to stay just dwarven. It can okay. absolutely have all of the other races, but have it be a dwarf centric. Centric. Okay. Yeah, kind of kind of situation. I just think that it would be uh, an interesting uh, a twist to the tale. Well, could you say the the Hobbit movies were done? The second one and even the third one, to an extent, were more dwarf based. Sure, they were a but good part of it. Sure, yeah, but I just I don't know. There's something about them. I like them. I, I you know what I like. I really I had to stop playing dwarves in D and D because it was just it was becoming a thing. Um, okay. so I just have a soft spot and, uh, okay. I just don't think that there's enough. Bring me more. Okay. We'll bring you more dwarves then. I'll make sure the embracer group, okay, we'll both stand outside embracer group and Warner brothers yeah. and go ahead. More dwarves, baby. Send us more dwarves. There you go. Yes. Strongly Absolutely. worded emails works every yes. time for Lord of the Rings. Of course, more dwarves for Lord of the Rings for us. So yes, yes. there you go. But we want to hear your thoughts out there on what's going on with the announcement that was made today by Warner Brothers head of the actual whole kit and caboodle, David Saslav. He has told studio heads Mike DeLuca and Pam Abdi to get together with Embracer, and they have. They've made a deal for new Lord of the Rings movies on the way with Peter Jackson may be involved in. We don't know as confirmation as of yet. It's just been talked about, but we'd like to see him involved, obviously, because he's done it right on quite a few occasions. So he does have a great track record in at least an advisory role at the very minimum, hopefully a lot more. But what are your thoughts out there on the possibility of new Lord of the Rings movies? This is something that was always talked about when the Embracer group bought the rights, but now it's a reality, and now it's going to happen with Warner Brothers. So please let us know your thoughts on new Lord of the Rings movies that are on the way. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. And make sure you go ahead and let us know in detail exactly what you would love to see with a new Lord of the Rings movie or movie trilogy or more coming up in the not-too-distant future for us at the theaters. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. But my friend, there's still much more to go. We've got a half hour down. Half hour to go, your favorite console that's out there, PlayStation. And by the way, you got my message on the open beta coming up next month for Diablo 4, didn't you, young lady? Of course I did. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, are you going to pre-order it and get the extra time in as well, or are you just going to just do the open beta? Uh, I'll probably pre-order. Okay. Because you get a pre-order, you actually even get a weekend before that, a week before the open beta. So I'm just yeah, that. which is wild. I mean, it was a ordering the pre-order um, is a Christmas present that hasn't officially arrived yet. We're just I don't know what we're waiting for to actually sit down and make the order happen, but that's uh, a thing that we promised. Well, let's hope your Diablo 4 pre-order works out a lot better than people's Metroid pre-orders for the physical copy of Metroid Remastered because that is not working out so well. It just got delayed and it's been sold out everywhere. So I think it's an issue of supply and demand right there, which is the reason why Nintendo's delaying the actual physical copy because it's 
garners such great reviews digitally and everybody wants a hard copy now of it. So maybe they're reevaluating it from a limited release to a much more extended release with more copies getting out there. So we'll see what happens there. But PlayStation today had their February state of play and they announced a lot of great things. A lot of things that are coming up, a lot of uh, sneak peeks. It was a long show, an hour and 45 minutes. Wow, they had a lot to go ahead and unload. I still would love to see them do this in an E3 format to try and get E3 backed up to its its once prestigious level. But obviously they and Microsoft and Nintendo feel otherwise and kind of disappointed by that. But when you see that Rocksteady is getting ready with uh, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, that looks in a really good shape right now. New Street Fighter Six contestants were announced, and Baldur's Gate 3 was announced for an August 31 date. It looks like it's really looking good. I, I think the Baldur's Gate series is really underrated, as far as especially on the D&D realm, because it takes so many elements of Dungeons & Dragons. Resident Evil 4... Is coming back with mercenary mode as far as for the, the reboot on that, the reimagining, revisiting of that. Bungie's Destiny 2 Lightfall, that's going to come out as far as next week is concerned. So, you know, those hardcore players for Destiny 2 is going to get some new content. Then, of course, PSVR 2, which came out earlier this week. A lot of good stuff that's coming available. Tetris Effect and, and some more stuff. Your thoughts on what was showcased today or earlier today at the PlayStation February State of Play. Yeah, that was a packed slate of things coming. It really yeah. was. It was huge. And I know that uh, you know you the argument about them, you know, not really showing up for E3. But here's what my initial thought was. Maybe oh, they didn't here feel. We go. I know, I know. So when we first talked about them not really showing up and and showing out for e3 my thought was maybe they just weren't happy with where those games were or where the trailers were cut from the games for the the big show maybe there was just something that wasn't right there's something that wasn't ready and then this february uh state of play drops and it's massive this easily could have happened at well i say easily but this could have been an e3 kind of presentation like it was that had those kinds of bells and whistles to it. And I just think maybe they weren't ready to let all of that out yet. Well, it's also a matter of cost because when you when you go to E3, or traditionally when they went to E3, they would have to yeah. have obviously the booth, which is massive, custom design, PlayStation-centric themes, PlayStation's down there, get staff, you have to fly them down there, et cetera, et cetera, as far as all the, the different things that you have to do. Plus, if you're doing a presentation, or a press conference or a state of play, you would also, uh, PlayStation would rent out a local building. They rented out the Los Angeles Sports Arena. I've actually attended a PlayStation E3 press conference at the, well, what was once the Los Angeles Sports Arena, which is no longer, you know, Microsoft does the Galen Center uh, at, at USC and Nintendo, when it did the Wii U, the infamous Wii U uh, presentation and, and grand showcase which we went to, we were all drove overnight to go ahead from Las Vegas to go see it. And we, in fact, actually everybody up, uh, my crew was already asleep and I was the only one I think I that saw the whole way through and saw how funny it was at that time with the Wii U. And it just, you know, almost like the kiss of death for that, for that console. But that was done at the Nokia theater. You know, those, those presentations cost a lot of money and, and I get that. And, and they feel that their marketplace goes to mainly gamers and i've had this argument before with people um sean shamrock i believe i think uh, it was the one the most recent one i had an argument with is that he was convinced they don't need to do this they don't need to go to e3 and, and go to have these presentations but i'm like yeah for gamers you just throw out a state of play and there you go but to the regular audience to the general audience at large to the general consumer e3 gets over to mass media like no other the best uh, the the E3 of the old day, of old, before they closed down, before they tried to jumpstart or restart into a fan fest and all that, the best of E3 was covered by all the major news outlets out there, MSN, NBC, Fox, CNN, you know, all the major news, NBC, CBS, ABC, you know, all these major news outlets were covering the games world 
at that particular time, which was showcasing those products and those announcements to a much larger audience. That's something now that you have to replace with a whole bunch of TV advertisements that on regular general, what consumers watch, whether it's sporting events or broadcast television. So that's what you have to do instead because the general consumer does not watch these data plays. They're meant for gamers like us. They're meant for a specific audience. They're meant for a niche audience like you talked about before. So I'm just saying that, you know, I miss those days when E3 felt like it was the most important event for the video game industry. Yeah, I, the the price tag of that kind of a weekend uh, can be, well, I I would imagine can get out of control pretty oh, easy. Yeah, it does. and it does. I think that... Um, you know, I, I kind of agree with what your friend was saying about them not necessarily needing E3. I But I also understand what free advertising can do uh, for some kind of, you know, announcement that you've made. And I think that with the state of play, for example, like we have the we have the one that we're talking about now for February. And, uh, you know, all of the trailers are still going to get dissected by all of the same media that would have fo- followed it anyway. Um, the only thing that you're really going to miss is perhaps, you know, your MSNBC and your CNN stuff uh, when they do their entertainment or uh, they need like a filler segment. Uh, so I, I kind of get where both of you are coming from. And I think somewhere down the middle of those two points of view, I think, is probably where PlayStation is actually thinking. Uh, with PSVR 2 just coming out this week. It needs all the help it can get. It's come out and it's, uh, you know, obviously one of the most technologically advanced consumer electronic products that's out of the marketplace. But I know that it needs some more games. It, it, you know, when, when these new systems come out, it's always the fact that there's not enough games that come out alongside of it at launch. And that's something that's always a hindrance. But I think that it does have a good future if you're interested in the virtual reality market. But I just think that right now with February state of play, I think I saw a lot of what I liked. The problem is, again, it's just catering to gamers and people that are pointing out it's not it's not going and it's not connecting with an audience that's even larger than that. It's going to get to the guys and gals who love IGN, GameSpot. It goes to all the different, uh, as far as uh, the different places that, that gamers go to for their content, Twitch, etc., but it doesn't go to the people that buy, for instance, on Black Friday. It doesn't go to the people that that are hearing about or need to hear about this from their their kids or whatnot or, or become aware of what this is when in the past they could just go ahead and find general news outlets that would be covering it. So I think it's losing, like you said, something of that audience. But still, it's not hurting the video game industry enough to where they it necessitates bringing back E3 to the level I was hoping it it you know it would return to. So I get you on that. But with PlayStation State of Play, I do want to ask you this though: Was there anything that really stood out to you on PlayStation State of Play? Because like I said, a lot of good stuff was announced. Was there anything that really stood out? I mean, with Nintendo's recent uh, direct, you know, whether it's the Super Mar- Super Mario Brothers movie that they actually had a direct for or the one that they had previously with Zelda, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, they're showcasing one particular thing above everything else. With PlayStation's February State of Play, did you see one thing that really was prioritized over any uh, over anything else? Uh, well, for myself, I mean, I, I obviously, as a, as a D&D player, kind of have my eye on Baldur's Gate. Uh, I didn't realize that the third one was coming. I don't know. I'm positive that we must have talked about it. That feels like something we would have talked about. So, uh, uh, Briefly, but uh, I yeah. know it's been in development for a little while. That's something that uh, we have talked about on the show. But, you know, when it, you just don't know when there's going to be an end date because they, they usually don't drop it until they're sure that it's really on the way. Yeah, well, that was that was probably uh, the, the big one for me, probably. Okay. Yeah. I think which ones, you, uh, which ones are you excited about? Well, Baldur's Gate three obviously is is something that I think was of uh, great interest to me. Uh, the other thing I think that was mentioned, uh, I mean, Destiny two, yeah. Destiny two has its core audience, 
it with does. the Lightfall DLC that's coming, you know, as far as that new adventure, that's great. That that gives that that community something to look forward to, and they're trying to lengthen that out as a as a games as a service. Now it's what it's what pretty much what it is. I think the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which I'm not 100% sold on, seeing a closer look at that. I know with the fighting games, the fighting game is going to be something that's really interesting to see because there's a lot of fighting games coming out this year, including Mm -hmm. Street Fighter VI, and they did showcase more of that. I know we're going to talk about another fighting game here in a minute that was announced in the Warner Brothers uh, Q4 discussion that was talked about with Lord of the Rings. But yeah. A lot of things are coming up for PlayStation Stay to Play. I, I want to say that it, you know when you, you're able to showcase an hour and 45 minutes, you got a lot of stuff on the plate that people hopefully will enjoy seeing. Why is so much VR stuff horror and scary? Why is that? Is it just because that seems to be the stuff that sticks with the people who use the VR? Yes. Really? Okay. Well, that's disappointing. <laughs> if, and you, the mistress I can hurt horror. my own feel. Yeah, I can hurt my own feelings. I don't need a VR set to do that for me. I'm good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you, the also mistress of horror, as I'm being facetious yeah. when I say that, because your aversion yeah. to horror does not like that at all. I mean, let me put it this way. Do What would you remember more? Something coming out and jump scaring you in a context of, of the VR or you wading along a virtual reality beach with virtual reality reality sand between your toes? Well, you know, in my younger days, <laughs> I may have said the jump scare stuff, but a day at the beach, even virtually. <laughs> but I will say this, though, that it is February state of play from PlayStation. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of good things on the way. I know PlayStation and uh, Microsoft are still at it with the Call of Duty. And I'll mention that that here. We're probably going to have a longer conversation on that here in a bit. But I'm glad to see that they're doing all. Obviously, Hogwarts Legacy uh, is something that they should be talking more about. I was disappointed to hear that there's no DLC right now in the works. But maybe they should change their mind. Because before we head to the break, my friend, I want you to hear your thoughts from you on Hogwarts Legacy. It's been a great hit. They've sold 12 million units so far and have uh, grossed, I think, over $800 million, I think, for that series is what was been talked about in the latest news articles. It's been a massive hit. So the J.K. Rowling controversy aside, and I know BBC keeps apologizing to her, that aside, uh, that's between BBC and J.K. Rowling, but it looks like it hasn't slowed down the enthusiasm for Harry Potter. Cause I'm really happy to see that Harry Potter still has a life outside of the controversies and is still able to do well in a certain format. Yeah. And happily so for uh, the studio that worked on it and the animators and the game developers and, and all of that stuff. So congratulations to all of them for the success. But everybody let us know out there, your thoughts on PlayStation's February state of play. We'll be talking more about PlayStation here in a minute. But what are your thoughts on February's PlayStation State of Play? What did you like? What did you not like about February's State of Play? Please let us know your thoughts and also the success of Hogwarts Legacy. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend, before we head on out, I wanted to go ahead and talk about some Call of Duty news. And uh, actually, one more thing. One more thing on the video game front before we get to Call of Duty, because that still seems to be a hot topic, what's going on. And that is with Warner Brothers' announcement of the Lord of the Rings movies. They also announced this year, although you take that tongue-in-cheek with video game releases because there's always delays, but Mortal Kombat 12 
not a new movie. I'm sure they're thinking about doing a new movie too, but Mortal Kombat 12 is coming this year, increasing the stakes for the fighting game. We talked about Street Fighter 6 is coming out this year, and that seems to be more of a done deal. Mortal Kombat 12 was announced as coming out this year. What does that do for the fighting game genre in 2023? Well, I think that it... Uh... It's just a, a little reminder that, uh, you know, what's old doesn't necessarily have to be bad. And the fact that Mortal Kombat is 12 editions in, I think, speaks volumes for the IP. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of love out there for it. I know personally, I can't tell you the numbers of hours that I spent standing around like the old arcade 8-bit watching Mortal Kombat, playing Mortal Kombat. How did you do that, Mortal Kombat? <laughs> Get over here! <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so I think that there's obviously still a huge, huge amount of that uh, support that's coming from nostalgia. But I'm wondering how much of the new fans are coming to it because of nostalgia from either mom and dad, aunt, uncle, whatever the case is. I, I wonder how much of that is, uh, you know what I mean? How much of that nostalgia is bringing new people to the game? But the fighting game industry also evolves around EVO, which takes place here in Vegas every year as far as the World Fighting Championships and how well that's broadcasted on Twitch and other outlets. So a lot of people always look forward to that as far as within yeah. that fighting game community. But for casual fans, it seems to be Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, sometimes Tekken, and sometimes right. some others as far as in the mix, as far as varying levels of success outside of a core fighting group because the core fighting group will take mk12 if they love it and they'll keep playing it for years on end it's whether or not that the players casual players that pick it up do they want to go ahead and continue to pay it play it and continue to sport it that's that's the key question with all these fighting games is how much life do they have beyond the core group of fighting game players that's out there that's always a question with fighting games yeah, and, and I think that, that <laughs> if you're able to get to 12 at any point with any video game, I think that you're doing outstandingly well. And I don't yeah. think that you can question the success of Mortal Kombat or um, its endurance, really. It's just a fun game to play. Absolutely. And I'm hoping for the more of the same with some of the great characters and the fatalities and the babalities and all the great mm -hmm. stuff that comes along with playing Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! So are you preparing yourself for Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 12, later this year? Supposedly. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, anything that's just announced for later this year, you're always got to go ahead and keep one eye open for a delay, after, especially after last year, which everything seemingly got delayed to next year, to this year and beyond. So please let us know your thoughts. Are you excited for a new MK12 on the way? popculturecosmos at yahoo.com but before we head on out my friend call of duty and the uh, the impending battle that's coming up because the court cases and the fights with the ftc and then on the united kingdom front there's the uk court system and their version of the ftc as far as looking this over very carefully and a lot of things said back and forth and playstation really not liking what's going on as far as the impending sale or the pending sale, I should say, not impending, but pending sale, pending on their decisions, of course, whether or not that Microsoft buys Activision Blizzard. Well, Microsoft this week announced that Call of Duty now has a 10-year agreement in place with Nintendo to bring the games to all the Nintendo platforms, aka the Switch at this point in time, maybe a Switch Pro if that ever comes out. Call of Duty also has been rumored by Bloomberg saying that this year's installment will not be just an upgrade for the previous Modern Warfare. That'll actually be a new adventure, a full new standing platform. It was going to be thought that it was actually going to take a year off of a new installment, but it is leaning more now that Activision, I guess, can just do these things on the fly and say, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and instead of making a DLC that's going to come out, we're just going to make it a full-blown game. So your thoughts on this, this is all to combat the PlayStation's argument about as far as it being an unfair sale and unfair practice with Activision Blizzard, which really comes down to one IP, Call of Duty. 
Call, Call of Duty and, and Microsoft, they've offered Call of Duty to PlayStation on a 10-year contract. And uh, as of yet, have gotten not to hear about it. But on the PC end and Nintendo end, they've made agreements that you know those platforms will see Call of Duties for 10 years. Your thoughts on this? Because it seems to get uglier and messier, and we're not even hearing any final decisions made in the courts as of yet. Yeah, I think that you know you you need to pick your battles and a battle for call of duty is certainly a relevant one uh, on any platform but you know i'm i understand where playstation is coming from i i understand the concern not just as a fangirl of playstation but you know anything like that like taking call of duty or like a, a diablo or anything like that and the possibility that that could no longer be available for your platform would be a little scary as a uh, as a business person and i think that uh call uh, the call of duty's concern playstation's concern um is is real and valid and you know i'm i'm glad to see not that they're trying to stick it to microsoft because i don't think that that's it i think that they're just trying to no i think that they're just trying to you know shore up their business i think that they're just trying to make sure that it's just not going to erode away if all of these titles become more and more exclusive. They're sticking it to them. They're trying to. And, you know, I'm I'm kind of uh, disappointed in PlayStation's actions. PlayStation should just take the 10-year deal, which if they lose the case, they will magically take the 10-year deal offered if it's still on the table by Microsoft, of which course. I'm pretty sure would be because Microsoft would love that kind of compensation to pay for the 60 some odd billion dollars that they paid. So I'd say that would be great for all parties concerned, but that would give PlayStation 10 years to develop a, a killer app, a killer shooter that would rival Call of Duty, which I think in, in 10 years time you should be able to make because the lifespan of Call of Duty, we don't know how long this lifespan is going to go. And by the end of 10 years, people may be done with Call of Duty. It's already been around for so many years, so we, we don't know how much longer in the lifespan it actually has left. So I, I'm just sad to see this as far as from a, a you know guy who actually has all the systems as far as the current systems and really is just not, well, I don't have PlayStation 5 yet, I'm sorry. I have uh, a PlayStation 4, I have an Xbox Series X, I have an Xbox One and Nintendo Switch. So I, I kind of try to see things on an equal value. This is over one IP. This is not over the entire library of Activision Blizzard. It's not over Overwatch. It's not over World of Warcraft. It's not over any of that. It's just over Call of Duty and the future of that. I think if 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 PlayStation takes the 10-year deal, that gives them a 10-year head start to come up with something on their own and that really, like God of War has been so great for them. Horizon Forbidden West has been such a great IP for them. They've got so many great IPs. The Last of Us, Uncharted. They've got so many great IPs, and they're still in this current generation. I mean, I don't know. It depends on whether you you know consider Nintendo Switch in this current generation, because if that's the case, Nintendo Switch is now outselling everyone. But right now, in between PlayStation and Xbox, PlayStation has a definite sales advantage. So. I still think from a first-party standpoint, PlayStation is far ahead of uh, Xbox as possible. I really think if Call of Duty Activision Blizzard does get owned by Microsoft, the fact that it's still going on for 10 years, most likely on a PlayStation platform, I think that's probably going to be good enough. I, I think that it's just crying over spilt milk, and I really think that it's best for another company to own, especially with all the legal trouble and all the, the toxic workplace issues and the ownership of one of the worst CEOs that's out there, in my opinion, Bobby Kotick. My opinion only on that, but I think a lot of people share that opinion, that Bobby Kotick has been really, really someone that's not been very good for the game industry overall. I just think that I think it would be all best for parties concerned that if Microsoft goes ahead and through with the sale, with this buyout, with this purchase, that it's the best for all parties concerned because PlayStation most likely still get 10 years of Call of Duty. Yeah, I I see what you're I see what you're saying, and I mean, uh, I mean, I you agree, but at the same time, I again, I I understand not wanting to let 
other things potentially slip through your fingers. I know you're saying it's it's all about one IP. It's all about Call of Duty. This is really you what know, the play, conversation what a PlayStation is. goes and buys 2K and gets all the 2K games plus the Rockstar games, which would be GTA 6. Sure. I guess. I mean, that would be one way I suppose that you could fight back, but you're still, you know, you're still losing out on Call of Duty stuff. I don't I don't know. I I just have seen so much call of duty and have been around so much call of duty for so long that i understand the panic over uh, at the end of 10 years this may not be on our platform anymore and that and then at the end of those 10 years you know they're gonna ask for more money and uh i get it i get it because minecraft has been a huge hit on playstation and that was bought out by microsoft and Nobody really made a fuss, or it wasn't to the length of this issue. It's kind of fuss made over Call of Duty. And that's still a a really big seller. Even to this day, Minecraft still makes a ton of money on the on the PlayStation and also PC and, and Nintendo and, and Microsoft platforms. So I really think at this point in time, it's something I think it's best for the industry because the fact that Microsoft has not only plans to reshape and reform and and help out, you know, the the toxic workplace that is Activision Blizzard, or it has been reported on over the past few years. They also have an idea of, of what they want to look at as far as building new IPs, working with these studios that have been underproducing or just support staff studios for Call of Duty, and allowing them to go ahead and either create new IP or work on uh, shelved and need to be dusted off IP that really people would get interested in. Yeah, I suppose going through the going through the game closet would be pretty fun and, and would be an opportunity to, like you said, uh, bring a lot of that stuff back. Sure. Phil Spencer has already talked about that, about all yeah. these different IPs that Activision Blizzard has. He's like, I remember that. I would love to see, a, you know, just like, a, you know, bringing that back. And, you know, I'm just saying, just saying, because Activision Blizzard has obviously become focused on a core number of titles. And obviously Call of Duty is number one. And that's something I think that goes away from what you would really want to see as a gamer in the gamer industry. Yeah, having them focus, I guess, on, on Call of Duty so much, uh, you know, obviously has taken, uh, with that information, it has taken some other stuff, you know, off of the table and put it back onto the shelf. So, yeah, I don't know. I I guess I, I still just understand, I think, where PlayStation is coming from for this one, not just because I'm a stand for PlayStation. I know, but uh, I, I get it. I, I do understand where they're coming from because and I, I just keep thinking about like back in the radio day, right? When a radio station would flip format, all of a sudden they're the same as you and they're targeting the same audience and you're fighting for that same audience. You know, I, it, it would feel like that same kind of, no, I don't think that that's, that's not okay. I don't, I don't like that. No, that's not what we're going to do here. We're going to do this. I could see you I, coming to work on a, on a Monday and you're coming in with your Prince Revolution shirt like you got it right now. You're just oh, ready uh, to go have another day of work. Oh, by the way, your country now. Oh, uh, okay. Where's my Clint Black shirt? Where's my Clint Black shirt? <laughs> well, I know to Judd forever is all there I'm going to say. All right. Yeah. Fair enough indeed. <laughs> but what are your thoughts out there on the latest Call of Duty news? And obviously the decision that still is yet to be made of both the UK and the US about the future of Activision Blizzard. Will it be bought out by Microsoft? Will it not? Please let us know your thoughts on this whole situation. And do you like the fact that Call of Duty has been confirmed for another 10 years on Nintendo platforms and PC as well? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. And also let us know if you'd love to see 10 more years on the PlayStation with Call of Duty as well. But my friend, it's been a great episode. As always, you rocked it out of the park. Even from your pseudo office right there for you. Any last thoughts before we head on out? Diablo 4. Diablo 4. <laughs> That's not until next month. You know what? I I, know. I'm, I'm going to get involved in the open beta too as well. So, you know. Oh, I, yeah? I don't know. If you, I don't know if there's co-op involved or whatnot. We'll have to take a look closer into that. and. Yes, we and will. So we will definitely have to share our thoughts on it uh, if that's the case. So looking forward to that. But if you have questions for us, always, you can just hit us up right here at Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. 
It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great Listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.